0: And welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson, and we are back from a very long hiatus that involved me in the hospital most of the summer. This is not how I intended to spend my summer at all, um, but you know, the Lord had different plans, and so uh, I'm, I'm back on the mend. I'm back home, and uh, after about a month or so in a wheelchair, I'm finally up on my feet, And I got a good report from the doctor today. So how do we celebrate? By recording another podcast, which we (laughs) haven't done in quite some time. So I'm excited back and joining us today for the first time ever in the history of mankind, Pastor Chris Eldridge. Pastor Chris, welcome to our podcast.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: You know, I have no idea why I haven't invited you up until now.
1: I've been thinking the same thing. It's just... (laughs) Gnawing at me.
0: Well, now that you you're you're breaking the ice here, we gotta have right, you back. Right. Sure. Assuming you don't completely blow yeah. uh this one right here. Yeah. The
1: the bar is set high, so we'll see how I do.
0: So this is the grand audition.
1: <laughs> and if,
0: if this is completely terrible, no one will ever know because I won't put it on air. Exactly. But <laughs> anyway, um, I am at home. If you're um not that anyone's gonna be watching this because this is all audio, um but which is good because you know, Pastor Chris, I'm ugly, yeah, you're not
1: the greatest looking guy in the world, <laughs> and,
0: uh, neither am I. But I, I, um,
1: I have a face for audio podcast,
0: yeah. Um, so Pastor Chris, first tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of introduce yourself to our audience. I know you a little bit, um, sure. you pastor Cornerstone Church here in Beloit. Uh, but tell us about, about uh, Pastor Chris Eldridge,
1: sure, yeah. So Um, My wife is named Spring, and we've been pastoring the church here in Beloit for about seven years now, even though we've been connected to the church in some way, shape, or form um, in ministry for 22 years. Uh, We have four kids. Um, I say kids. um, Our oldest two are our girls that are 21 and 20. We've got a 16-year-old young man who attends Hananiga High School and um, plays football and volleyball for them. And then I've got a nine-year-old, Colton. Who is at the elementary school in Rockton, yeah. Illinois? So we live in in Illinois. We pastor in Beloit. Um, the best of both worlds. And so, um, and I'm just surprised you're of, willing to say that you live in Illinois. That's, right. that's Really, uh, wow. Hey, I'm impressed. Yeah, I, I can <laughs> you know confess our sins to our brothers. Right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you, you're you're not a Bears fan, are you? Um, it depends on who your demographic and audience is. I don't want this to go <laughs> the wrong way, but. But yeah, definitely I am.
0: Wow, and you're and you're a Christian too. <laughs> that yes. that's really yes. weird.
1: Yes, um, and I'm a pastor that's allergic to chicken, and then it almost cost me my credentials. So um, well, yeah, so a lot of a lot of weird things going on here. You're allergic to chicken. Yeah, all poultry, anything with wings and beaks. So you can't even the gospel bird. You you can't even eat at the Lord's chicken. I can't even take the sacrament at Chick-fil-A. No, I cannot. Wow. Uh, no, I can take of the drink, uh, the, the the lemonade and, and sweet tea, but I cannot um, I, I cannot take of the bird.
0: You know, I, I, how did you ever pass ordination with all of That's this? That's what I'm saying. It almost cost me my
1: credential.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, let's jump into our topic today.
1: <laughs> and
0: uh, our topic, we're talking about the movie, the Sound of Freedom. Um, I, I, I j- I've i seen this movie twice now. And uh, the first time, uh, you know, there'd been a lot of buzz about it. It was um, making some money, making some headlines. Um, I was a little skeptical at first, because uh, I'd heard rumors of connections to conspiracy theories like QAnon and things like that. And so, yeah, I wasn't, you know, what a... But I decided there was a, you know, when you're in a wheelchair, there's not a whole lot you can do, (laughs) Um, but I can sit and watch a movie. Right. And so I grabbed my son, Tony, who uh, has his learner's permit, and he's willing to drive anywhere at this point. And so I said, hey, I need to get out of this house. I've been in this house for a month. I need to go experience something other than the four walls here. So we went to another place with four walls. Um, But this place has good popcorn and and drinks and stuff. So I said, let's go see this movie. So I brought him along with me and um, I was blown away. You know, there's some movies that you just, they just, in my mind, don't live up to the hype. Um, In my opinion, this one did. So Pastor Grace, you've seen the movie and and that's why you're, at least I hope you've seen the movie. Otherwise, this is going (laughs) to be really, really short
1: yeah oh Uh, i should go see it thanks for the recommendation so what were your impressions of the movie well i was kind of the exact opposite so i came at it from the opposite perspective um in that i hadn't heard anything about it my Mm. wife had actually heard about it um i hadn't heard the good the bad or the ugly about it um so i was coming in pretty pretty fresh pretty clean and um she had she had heard about it heard good things about it um Spring is not one to want to watch movies of content when children are vulnerable, yeah. um, anything like that. And so the fact that she even wanted to see this, um, it, it really does bother her. It, it, it um, There is some, you know, residual issues that she has sure. um, as she contemplates and thinks about, you know, our kids and all that kind of stuff. It brings a lot of anxiety to her. So the fact that she wanted to see it really spoke to me. Hmm. Um, about what she had heard about it and so we went um and i went with with a a clean slate uh an open kind of filter and um and i absolutely um so i you know as far as the movie goes it's riveting it's unbelievable yeah. um the content is um and and again not even knowing um i'll just kind of exposed my ignorance here yeah uh, didn't even know until we were sitting there that it was a true story i mm. knew what it was about um the only kind of frame of reference that i had in my mind um, going in was another movie that had come out several years ago um that i think the the brothers of for king and country had done about okay. trafficking and um and it wasn't a true story it was just exposing plots and exposing um that type of dynamic in the world um and i thought this was just another one of those type you know a real riveting but um modern day look at, at a very you know um desperate situation that people can right. find themselves in having no idea that it was true um, so as this movie unfolded, as I understood, as I started to pick up on you know exactly what was happening and and the uh, reference points of the movies um it actually just became so almost overwhelming in that it's a hard truth that needs to be yeah. known and and it, it became this thing where Spring and I both, you know when we would be asked about the movie because we saw it very early on okay so as we saw it um you know many people were still contemplating whether they would go see it or not hearing about it and so we would get asked a lot and and the, every every question was is it good you know like because that's how you rate movies yeah. you know is it a good one is it a bad one is it boring is it long is it short you know um but the but the question that always came up is was it good and and you can't answer that really without a discussion. Right, it's it's unbelievably good and unbelievably horrific at the same time. Yeah, and and you walk away wishing you had never seen it, but so thankful that you had the privilege to see it, and burdened now with this unbelievable weight of now what do I do with it? Right. Oh, and and, and so obviously for those that have seen the movie, they give you plenty of opportunities on the back end of this movie to do something with it not about it not for it um, but with it what are you going to do with it armed with the knowledge armed um, with the um, the obligation really as far as what I consider a believer's obligation is to actually do something with it. And so it was a very mixed bag. You walk away with this kind of mixture of emotions that, you know, this was horrific. I don't want my children to see this, but man, my kids have got to see this. Yeah. And, um, and you know, we have to make this thing known. And so um, going in kind of eyes wide shut and having them open um, now on the back end of that coming back and being such a fan. And so now I'm Googling everything about it and yep. I'm getting yep. up on all of this stuff and I'm informing myself and I'm talking to people about it and I, and I'm entering in or even instigating conversations about it. Um, and all of a sudden you're hearing all of this negative backlash and you're hearing all of the things that you yep. were able to go in knowing. Um, that was quite a different experience for me, but mm. going in the movie, experiencing the movie, obviously, you know, you, when i'm a i'm a geek i'm kind of a, a comic nerd so i'm used to these 300 million dollar budgets movies you know yeah. all this stuff to go into a 15 million dollar budget you know which is as some have said you know that's pocket change for some of these directors right. and producers and especially these big um hollywood production companies um to be riveted from beginning to end to be engaged and and the the quality of the the movie itself right um, was unbelievable. The acting obviously was great. These kids even did a great job. How um you know, I, I believe looking down the, the annals of time and future, these kids will have been a part of something huge. Yeah, I pray. I pray. Um, And so, and so yeah, walking away, Um, the experience was was amazing, even though it was kind of a double edged sword. And, and then yeah, then you enter into the the conversation of it right. and for those listening i use air quotes just <laughs> so you... <laughs> yeah
0: it it's really when i when i first heard about this I, I i thought it was a christian movie and it's it's not in in in, in not in the sense that it uh, has a blatantly gospel message or uh I, there's one passage of scripture uh referenced uh, in in Matthew about the um millstone around a around your neck if you you harm a child uh outside of that it's it, it's not there's not a sermon in this which is good because i i don't know what your thoughts are pastor Chris, but, mo- but most christian movies i see blatantly christian movies are just not good right. um the the production style is terrible the acting um is terrible the the, the script is contrived and yeah. so I, I wasn't sure what to think before coming into it and then again all all the the criticisms i heard um but you walk away from this thinking just wow it's it's i I like how you put it it's a good movie but it's a horrible movie and it's one of those things almost like i'm thinking about um william wilberforce and slavery uh when when he was confronting uh some of his fellow lawmakers he was showing them the horrors of slavery and said at the very least you can't now be ignorant you can't not unsee this right um and so you know i if you had asked me about sex trafficking or human trafficking before i i yeah i I acknowledge that it's that it's a real thing it's a real problem um but the the thing about this movie is it 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 grabs your attention and it eats away at your conscience and just alerts you to this. This is real. This isn't just something that's out there, even though in the movie, uh, this is this takes place in Colombia, most of the movie. Um, But this affects children in the US, children everywhere, and it opens your eyes to a problem you didn't see In, in a way. Movies can communicate things in a way that reading a book or listening to a lecture or watching even a news report just can't uh, capture. But this, and that, and that's kind of what uh, the actor uh, Jim Caviezel was saying at the very end. Uh, by the way, if, if you've seen a movie, stick around through the credits. At the end, there's a little special message. So don't just get up and walk out. Um mm-hmm. I, I the only reason I didn't get up and walk out like I normally would during a normal movie, I was in the wheelchair and I was waiting for someone to help me. But um, I was glad I stayed to hear that because I think he's right. And so, all right, so let's let's back up for those of you who don't know what we're talking about. Um, Sound of Freedom is is based on the true story of Tim Ballard, who was an agent with Homeland Security, and he was tasked, among others, with uh, capturing these child predators um capturing these pedophiles who were going out and, and doing these horrible things until he was uh confronted with the idea of that you're catching the perpetrators but what are you doing for the victims and that that that's sh- that shook him to the point where he had to act he he jumped in and um at first in the movie now i i I've, I've done a little bit of research because, you know, there's nothing I take more seriously than this podcast and all the show prep that goes into it, days and weeks. Uh, anyway, it, meaning I read an article. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so there, there there, are these two uh, brothers and sister, uh, brother and sister, this couple that were kind of split up. And he's basically chasing after them, trying to find them. Although in real life, I guess it was just one uh, child that still hasn't been found. Um, but anyway, so he's he's searching for these and um it just alerts him to just the the innocence of these children. And so that's what the story's about. um eventually he goes out and he he uh is the founder of the organization um the uh, underground railroad or the um man i'm I'm drawing a blank for some reason uh, I'm gonna edit this part out.
1: because
0: um oh yeah operation underground railroad wow how did i forget that all right so anyway operation underground railroad um which goes out and again tries to save these children um and it's just i don't want to give away too much because i want you to go and see this even though yes so obviously when it and i try to tell this to everybody because i'm I'm a history guy. I have a history degree. I teach history. And so whenever you see a movie that's based on a true story, there's a reason why it says based on a true story. It's not going to be exactly the same. You can't fit years and years of stuff into a nice hour and a half or two hour movie. Um, So obviously there's some things that are a little different, Um, but... Uh, this is, I think, remarkably accurate for the most part. Um, and it just, it leaves you stunned. Um, and, and it leaves you heavy because yes, you, you feel like we need to do something. Like, so I, I brought my son, Tony, Tony's 15, about to turn 16, uh, in about two weeks. So make sure you get something for Tony. Um, and so he he went with me. And I was a little unsure if I should bring him or not. Um, but I thought, you know, Tony's a mature guy, I think he can handle it. And it was funny, the next day we were at a basketball tournament that Tony was was playing in. And as we were there, he starts looking around. And he's like, Dad, I can't believe these parents are just letting their kids run wild. And it 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 this movie impacted him. So, Pastor Chris, I, I want to ask you from a pastoral perspective. Um, you're not just a believer, you're you're a pastor. Um Holy Reverend. But you're you're a pastor, and you know, God has given you a flock to take care of. And uh so when you watch this movie, how do you view this from a how do you take what do you take away from a, a pastoral perspective?
1: Well, um, really honestly, the The biggest thing that I took away and probably couldn't even articulate all the different things that just innately hit you. And from a pastoral perspective, you're always looking for uh, pastoral fodder. You know, you're always looking for um, hooks for sermons and all that kind of stuff, kind of like a comedian. (laughs) <laughs> really honestly, you know, always looking for those things that don't make sense. And, That's great.
0: Cause every chapel message I thought was a joke that you've ever. The ah,
1: very, very, <laughs> the correlation is, is uncanny. I um, know <laughs> um, the biggest thing that, that I took away from it is exactly what you said earlier in that this was not a Christian film. Yeah. Um, It was a film by a lot of Christians. Um right. But it wasn't for Christian distribution. And, and I'm like you in, in that most Christian, overt Christian films, God bless them. And some of them are tolerable. And some of them I, I would dare say are good. But um most of them, I think they come at it, a from a smaller budget, and B, so defensively. They're, they're, they're yeah. always on the defensive. Making sure we can't go this far. What's going to be misconstrued? We don't want to give headlines to, you know, critics and all that kind of stuff. So they're already. It's tough to do. This movie was not like that, and what I love about it from a pastoral perspective, the greatest lessons that you can teach disciples or, or the people that you're in your congregations or or those that you're trying to reach. The greatest um, lessons the they're not always very clean, um, yeah. and I don't mean clean as in um, you know vulgar and all that kind of stuff. But you know the whitewashed, you know prim and proper, perfectly edited sermon with three points in a poem. Um, that's always not what reaches. It's the down and dirty where we're individuals that are lost and undone and 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 hopeless and and disgusted and ashamed of themselves and all that kind of stuff. They have to know that there's hope. And yeah. this movie doesn't provide a sermon, but it provides hope in that this is a real world situation, real world circumstance that a lot of people are dealing with. When yeah. one of the things that impacted me as a parent, um, that I thought they did extremely well, they be and again, spoiler alert, but they begin and end, um, in the context of this yeah. young girl's bed, her bedroom. There was you know, toys there. This was a real person right. in, in context of this movie, where we see you know commercials of just or, or articles about random names, a a random minor of a certain age. We don't have any context to that. It's not yeah. like our kid, but I immediately saw my son's room. It was cleaner in my son's room, (laughs) but I immediately see the bed he sleeps in, you know, and what it would feel like, you know, and this concept kind of reverberates through the movie of what if that bed was empty tonight? You know, what if that bed was um, unoccupied because of something like this? I think those are the messages from a pastoral perspective that mean the most and hit the most because you don't have to be a believer. This didn't get so moral. Or, or 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 so righteous that it verged on Christianity it proves that Christianity is based and is the basis of morality right and so it's not that they did a really really close version of a Christian movie it's that they were so transparent and 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 engaged in the struggle of righteousness that it automatically, displays and reflects what we believe you know comes from the bible the judeo christian morality yeah. um mindset and so from a pastoral perspective it took me back to a parable like you said the every event wasn't historically perfectly articulated and accurate to what actually happened um but jesus didn't care about that because you know the prodigal son didn't exist either and right. yet millions of You know, upon millions of people have studied and and found themselves in the middle of that same story, even though the historical accuracy, Jesus was very clear. I'm I'm just using this to prove a point. Yeah, there was really no religious connotation to the prodigal son, except for what we believe we can extrapolate from it. And this movie, from a pastoral perspective, fits that bill. It's perfect in that without over christianity it's an unbelievable story for us to extrapolate christianity and our obligation as christians
0: yeah you you can't walk away from this without a sense of moral outrage and that that proves that there is a morality absolutely um and and again to get into deeper um, epistemology things like that but you know that comes from somewhere we all have a conscience um and, and the Bible says that even um the law of God is written on the on the heart of man in in, in Romans one and in other places. There are things that shock us and all of us, whether you are atheist, Christian, Jewish, whatever, and, and no matter what part of the world that you're in, everyone can look at this movie and say, that was terrible. And and again, based on a true story, this happens and this does outrage us, and there's a reason for that. Right. Um, one of the things I hope this movie does, and I think it's already doing, like when I, um, you know, I we adopted our children from foster care. And in that process, we were kind of made aware of a world that we didn't know existed, that literally lived across the street. Um, world of drugs and extreme poverty and things like that, that, that really has been all around us all the entire time. We just never noticed it. And and I'm I'm hoping this movie does that with, with uh the problem of human trafficking and sex trafficking. This is a reality. This isn't just a QAnon um controversy or conspiracy theory. I hate conspiracy you guys know I hate conspiracy theories. I, I don't buy into any of that stuff. Um uh, I'm skeptical, but I'm I'm one of the ones that thinks that probably Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. I'm weird. Um but You don't have to be a a QAnon shaman or whatever, a January 6th rioter to acknowledge the fact that this happens. And I think that sometimes that's a tool that people use to close their eyes Mm -hmm. um, to to a serious problem. Because if I don't see it, I don't have that weight upon me and I don't have to
1: do anything. One thing I didn't know about going into the movie was actually that... um, that this movie, the showrunner, the, the the script, the you know, everything was written eight years ago. Yeah. Before anybody even knew what QAnon was. Right. Or, or b- before there was even a QAnon, whatever it is. And so um, you know, the correlations between the two are just, you know, it yeah. was done edited. The the release date was what they battled with so much. And so yeah. You know, this would have been out way before um, all of that was even a thing. So so it it goes to show exactly what you're what you're saying. Well, in, in fact, it's just excuses to try to know. shield the world from seeing it.
0: In fact, in this movie, the U.S. government is looked at it positively. Yeah. Um, Department of Homeland Security um, was a was a help in this. You don't get this battle between mm. um, the government and there's not, not talking about secret politicians doing things in a pizza shop in New York or right. whatever. Um, none of that stuff is a part of this movie. Um, it's the one last thing we, we are, we are running out of time, but I kind of want to squeeze this in. Cause I, I I think there's a practical thing that we can all do and we can all address um, when it comes to sex trafficking. One of the things that's uncomfortable to talk about is, um, and, and I want to bring up here because we talk about uncomfortable things is the idea of pornography. Mm-hmm. There is a connection between pornography, between porn and um, the sex trafficking mm-hmm. world. And I'll, I'll have some articles that'll link into that, but pastor, I don't think we, we we fully understand the destruction that pornography has upon the soul. It's this idea, most pornography, it, it, it's, it's violent, And it's uh, it's a uh, unseemly uh, type of thing. And that feeds into I was just reading articles about how oftentimes uh, some of these pedophiles will use pornography to desensitize their victims before anything physical happens. And and even just pornography feeds into that desire. Uh, People who watch pornography statistics show are more likely to engage in dangerous sexual activities and even illegal sexual... And so it's this huge, massive uh, push on pornography feeds into all of this. But I was reading one statistic that... um, Maybe I can find the the exact statistic because it was just overwhelming to me to think. Yeah, here it is. So pornography sites per minute receive one hundred thirty-four thousand over one hundred thirty-four thousand hits per minute mm. that's incredible yeah um so uh, pastor how how am i am i overblowing this or am i just being one of those stuck-up christians that you know no. uh, wants to control people sexually or is this is this a real problem
1: no i unfortunately for most men especially but but not just exclusive to men yeah. as we find out in the church a lot as 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 individuals um marriages relationships are breaking down and we start getting to the meat of it this is not exclusively a male problem though males are definitely more visual intangible yeah. um learners um and experiencers um so it is definitely a perfect tool of the enemy, um, to speak pastorally, um, Mm. that attacks men. Um, but I I guess I would look at it in in today's culture. I think the number one issue that I see that I counsel that, that, um, and, and most of the time, unfortunately, it's already gotten so bad, um, because nobody thinks it's a problem until it's a problem. Um, And then so it's already by the time we're engaging with somebody that is um, suffering from the collateral damage of uh, because the damage is not just straightforward um, in their sexual experiences or in their relationships, their marriages, but the collateral damage is, is, is extraordinary. Um, The, the concussion footprint of of a bomb like pornography is huge. And um, but the biggest issue that I see that we deal with, and now there's a, a, a kind of a dumbbell effect, kind of a horseshoe effect that I'm seeing personally as we're going through this is number one, you use the word desensitize. The problem with pornography is that especially a male gets desensitized to it. yeah, and 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 what happens is you need more or more um taboo. You need more severe right. type of content to reach the same type. It's like drugs in that when you gain a, a, a threshold that you can handle um, and that you can metabolize out of your system, you need more of a hit to gain the same high that you were getting with just simple things. I mean, right. the, 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 the simple, you know example that I give is is guys my age you know and, and even older um you know we we look back at you know the Sears catalog you know yeah. <laughs> that you the right you steal it from your mom um to go look at some advertisements and all that kind of stuff now these kids 13 12 11 even down into 10 nine yeah they're they're getting on their phones on the the devices that their parents are allowing them to be on unsupervised it's not a Sears catalog or a Victoria's Secret or even, you know, um a, a swimsuit issue that that some of us in our teens and younger, yeah. they're they're getting exposed to to very hardcore stuff. And the more they get exposed to it, the more desensitized they get. So then they have to find right. the angles, the the content, the taboo um that's going to. Excite them in the way that a simple exposure did before, yeah. And so that's desensitizing an entire generation to need a more and and exactly what you said: the more violent, the more um, invasive, the more taboo, relationally taboo, um, whatever um, is more of the risk. That's where they're going to navigate to to get the same type of 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 high. Um, from that that they used to get from just basic whatever they were finding right and as that happens as they get older they get exposed exposed to more stuff these types of things start creeping in and it's exactly what you said now all of a sudden they are willing to now engage yeah they are willing to now experience because they become so desensitized to just the exposure that that the actual living out and and sometimes um, the the experiential side of this takes the effect. But, but the dumbbell, the horseshoe side of it, is that I think on the other end of it, as a society, we are intentionally now decreasing the taboo of some of these things. Right. Where, you know, at one point, you know, we would consider, we would use terms like pedophile or pervert or groomer, and now you're hearing words thrown around like, um a map which is a a minor attractive person you know yeah. it's 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 just something that that they have to deal with it's something they were born with or it's a or it's it's something in the chem, chemical makeup of them um that they're having to deal with but you know basically like a don't hold it against them protected class of people right that we're starting to see now now not you know we don't have any policies like that yet but everything started with these yeah. small movements of yep. desensitizing and destigmatizing some of these extremely taboo behaviors. So you have the exposure that's desensitizing a generation and 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 and, and even guys our age and older, um, whoever is, no matter who you are, when you're watching it, you're getting desensitized to it, yeah. every exposure. So you're going to have to uh, go down deeper the rabbit hole. Right. But then all of a sudden you got the society on the other end, um, coming in and, and almost giving a pass to some of these. And, and that's, um, that's the dangerous combination that I'm seeing and what, what I'm, I'm struggling with, um, especially in counseling, some of these guys that are, um, I've never, I mean, total transparency, I've never had to, um, counsel through or, or navigate a, a pedophile, a, a, somebody who has done this, but, I, I have had to counsel those that have suffered from it. Hmm. The victim. Uh, right. We had in our Bible study just two weeks ago, and, and I know time is running short, but I could not believe this. An 80-year-old woman that has been a part of this church for 35 years um was in one of our Bible studies. We have a, a Bible study for retired people on Thursday mornings at 10 o'clock. And for the first time in her life, she shared with that group that she was. Um, a victim of mm. her stepfather when she was eight years old. First time in her life, 72 wow. years of living with that. And then last week, the week of that was Thursday, on Monday, we go to our summer camp, our, our churches, our denomination summer camp. And I have an 11 year old tell me the same thing. That's amazing. From, well, we've got after- to
0: stop there because we're about to run out of time here and uh, we're going to be cut off here. Um, but I want to thank you all for listening, Pastor Chris. I hope you'll come back on the podcast. Uh, you passed the audition. Thanks. Uh, but, you know, we're going to, our recommended resource this week, of course, is the movie, um, The Sound of Freedom. We'll have a whole bunch of links in our show notes. Um, and join us back next week. We'll have uh, my, my former student, Daniel Leach, back on. He'll be giving us an update he's what's, what's going on in his life. And so thank you for listening and have a great rest of your week.